understand that the work, there's so much work to be done and that, you know, it can't happen in overnight and realize that when you, you have to be self-motivated because there are going to be many days that you find, you ask yourself, am I enough? Am I doing enough? And the answer is simple. It's yes, you're doing enough and you matter and the work that you're doing matters. Welcome to the Voices of Inclusion podcast, the place where you'll hear strategic and tactical advice shared by diversity, equity, and inclusion experts. This podcast is brought to you by Matheson.io, the world's first DEI operating system. If you're looking for DEI assessments, benchmarking tools, sourcing support, training, and more, look no further. Go to Matheson.io. The link to connect with us is in the description. Let's get back to the episode. Today, we are joined by Patrick Sutton. Uh, Patrick, you know, I know you as an amazing DEI leader that really knows exactly how to galvanize communities um, in a passionate way. Um, but for anybody that doesn't know you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So a little bit about me outside of being a DEI leader. I am a highly creative, also meaning I'm a filmmaker. I have worked in the learning and development people space for about 15 years, uh, currently working in tech, FinTech to be specific as their um, head of people. I have loved and enjoyed being able to really help people on my team and indirectly that's not a part of my team to be able to maximize their potential and to create spaces for marginalized people and groups that don't normally get to have those spaces. So that's kind of who I am, what I've done. And I most recently launched a program at my former company called DEI More Than a Buzzword. So I'm trying to build, grow legs with that as well. That's amazing. I definitely want to hear about um, that program. Um, you mentioned that you are also a very passionate artist. Um, could you talk a little bit about your artistic projects? Because I feel like that'll give us some good context for, um, you know, what we're, what we're about to hear in terms of your, your career journey and everything. Sure. So I, I you know, I, I've read so many articles, especially uh, like Harvard Business Review about when you're highly creative, highly creative makes some of the best leaders. And I think I will toot my own horn and say I am a pretty good leader. Uh, from a creative aspect, the film piece, what I think a lot of people don't really know when it comes to just, and I don't, I don't want to say my DNI journey, but I grew up in Chicago, then um, in Mississippi, the South, where there were definitely, there's so much history there, especially when it comes to just even like race, you know, race, if you think of Mississippi, you think of race divisions and racial biases, et cetera. And so as a, I was fortunate enough at the, um, as a teenager to be cast in the movie, A Time to Kill, which at the time it was, uh, it was Samuel Jackson, Sandra Bullock, Matthew McConaughey, and it was a John Grisham novel where these two white men assaulted Samuel Jackson's daughter. Uh, he takes justice in his own hands and there's a courtroom trial and it was really a town divided. And it was set in Mississippi and you saw the Klan come out. And at that time I was 16 years old, not realizing the volume and impact of how doing that movie would inspire as well as have so many messages. Fast forward all these years later, they're still 
work to be done that has to be done. There's still difficult conversations when it comes about race. So that inspired me to want to really, as a side project or side hobby, as a creator, to create my own content. And so many years later, I did a project called Alternative Facts, which was um, set at the highlight of a climate where the world was really divided. And this was probably about five years ago to tell you, and I think everyone knows five years ago, who was in office, why things were so at their um, highest form. And so that film project was about these three friends going around chasing these alternative facts, which um, I'll just say, if you, if you were here five years ago, you know what alternative facts were. Uh, I think Kellyanne Conway sort of coined that phrase. And so creatively, I found my path in, of course, working in the tech space, but wanting to tell stories often that would showcase communities or people that are um, often don't have a chance to have their story told or not told in the right way. And so I created in 2017, I started writing this project called Scales. And it went from a passion project to now a four series, uh, a four season series streaming on various platforms. And it really, it's entertainment, but if you look at the context or the indie behind the scenes, you'll see that it all three seasons were directed by a female, actually a, a black woman, uh, highly educated, that I specifically wanted a female to tell this story from a director's lens. The cinematographer um, was, was Jewish, and my producing partner is Indian and Pakistanian. So we created this beautiful story that actually tells story that features uh, members from the LGBTQ plus community. You had um, Asian Americans. It was just such a beautiful project. And I feel that it allowed people, whether regardless of your sexual orientation, to find some form of, you could relate to the story. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people may put their creative passions to the side um, when they start, you know, when they continue their careers as leaders. Um, but it, I, I love the fact that you're just really leaning in um, and kind of burning the candle on both ends. That's pretty inspiring. Um, and I know you've had a, a really remarkable career um, and you definitely do a lot to support the generations behind you. Um, could you talk a little bit about why you're so passionate about mentorship and how you're developing these programs as a leader? Absolutely. Mentorship is so important. I, I mean, the reason why I'm even able here to talk to you today is because I had a great mentor or great mentors that poured into me. Um, my mentorship journey began many years ago when I was a big brother, big sister um, volunteer working with this young man. Um, and I saw how important it was to be available to sort of coach, to mentor, to hopefully inspire. And because he went on to do well, because again, I said many years ago, so he went on to graduate from high school and he graduated from college. And I can say he's a successful um, software engineer. But that, his success let me know that it's important that we invest 
in the next generation. It's important that we invest in our, if you have an opportunity to manage people or teams and in the workplace, it's important to, to be that mentor. It's important to take the experiences that you have to be able to pour into others. I've been very fortunate in my career and I've been able to be in, in spaces and rooms where often we're not or often having to be the only one. And I think that I would not be a real mentor or a leader if I failed to, you know, pay it forward and share the information that I've learned and to continue to grow and mentor those um, behind me or even those within my own um, business circle, which I think I've, I've honestly 100% tried to continue to do regardless of what organization I am with. That's awesome. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that may be listening that may not see themselves as a leader or they want to empower other people that are in the process of becoming DEI leaders to create systemic change. It feels like there's so much pressure there. Um, could you talk a little bit about the different ways that people can uh, support or basically do their part in terms of making their systems more inclusive? Absolutely. I think the, the first thing you have to do to be able to make anything inclusive, if you're, we are, if you are a part of a marginalized community, you're more than likely, the DEI, DE, the DEI leader is already within you. I would say that mm. the first thing you have to do is you have to, you have to listen. You know, you have to be willing to listen. You also have to be willing to tell either your story or to move impact by being able to build the allyship. I mean, no one knows what it's like to walk in the shoes of a Black woman or a Black man or an Asian American or a person that identifies as LGBTQ. Like, there's so many shoes that we've never had an opportunity to walk into. But what we can do is we can listen. And when you listen, you hopefully listen with a with an open mind and you're able to tell those stories. I think the reason why the doors are often closed, it's because no one's able to get in to tell those stories. So you are, for those that are listening, you may not be operating in the title as a DEI leader, but know that if you are in that leadership position or if you see someone struggling that may either not look like you or may not have the same opportunities as you, but you want to give them that same footing, you are already doing some of the work. And it's by listening. It's by being empathetic. It's by telling their stories and to help pay it forward, to get them into rooms and on the path to where we can break that systemic change. You know, I think, you know, Robert, it, it's so many communities and so many like divisions across across different states and platforms but I say if, if you have an opportunity like myself as a manager or as a director or a VP or whatever your title is if you see people on your team that are often not allowed to come into those spaces or to those meetings coach them, make time for them, allow them to come with you to a meeting. So they get that exposure and lets them see that you're more than just an associate, that you can go from an associate to a supervisor, to a manager, to a leader. I've done that many times in my career and it's really paid off because people who didn't think they had that potential, I worked with them, brought them along the journey 
And now several of them are, they're in those rooms leading in corporate roles as directors and VPs, helping make room for other people. It's all about paying it forward to create that inclusive space. That's beautiful. I mean, because in one sweep or basically with a few different motions, um, it seems as though you are shifting the narrative by basically helping a person empower themselves. Um, so like advocating for someone else and even uh, giving them the tools that they need in order to advocate for themselves. Um, could you talk about how, like, maybe like from, from a granular perspective, one of the examples that you could use, um, you know, where you can go into a meeting and say, hey, don't say this, or maybe you should phrase things this way, or maybe we should talk to this person in order to get you um, some of the things that you need. What are those conversations like? Absolutely. So I have several stories I could share, but I'm not going <laughs> to take quite a long time. But there was a coworker who I had worked with for many, uh, I had the pleasure of being their um, manager for several years, and they didn't have a formal education, like a college degree, and didn't think that they could go beyond where they were. And I mean, yes, I am college educated, but I also understand college isn't for everyone. I mean, I have a cousin that literally dropped out of college the semester right before he was going to graduate from college. And it was, he was going because he thought that's what he had to do to be successful. And I would say like, fast forward now, he's very successful and he, you know, college isn't for everyone. But to go back to the story of the, the coworker who said, well, Patrick, I don't have a college degree. But I said, but you, you understand, you problem solve really well. And mm. you, you self-taught yourself how to do these presentations and you taught yourself how to do Excel and all that. I said, so you're a valuable asset. And I said, don't, don't let the fact that you didn't get a college degree make you feel like you're less than. Everyone has different, everyone has different opportunities. For this person, they couldn't afford it. And they grew up, they were probably, I think she was like eight or nine um, siblings. So college wasn't, her thing was she had to work to provide for the family. But I said, your story is one that is like many others and that's impactful is because one, I want you to see that you matter and that there are people that are just as smart that do things in the world that don't have the formal degree. And so we went into a meeting and I knew the work that had to be presented there, but I said, you know what? I want you to do the first four slides. I want you to talk about it and be, be confident and know that I'm in the room with you and know that I believe that you can do it. She not only, I mean, I actually ended up letting her do probably I think eight of the 15 slides because she found, she found her voice. And after that meeting, it really elevated her confidence. And so I said, you know, let's, let's really talk about what the next six, eight months or even two years look like for you. And I'm very proud to say that not only did she transition from being just a general associate, but she went on to be um, a senior, she was promoted to a senior role then into management, and then went on to become an AVP, where they're currently in it as an associate vice president. And I look back and think, wow, 
12, I think it was about 12 years ago, 12 years ago, she didn't think that that was possible. And I will say she did end up going to school and getting a degree. But I think the empowerment of that was letting her know that you matter, your story matters, your experience matters. And having that confidence can really take you just as far. And being a woman of color, because she was a black woman, she is a black woman, that was, but as a black woman, knowing that someone is championing you and come into these spaces and continue to hopefully pay it forward to someone else that's in your org or in your space and being a coach and a leader, I think that helps set the path when it comes to um, empowering people to, to be a part of that change. That's a story that I'm still proud of to this day, which reminds me every single day that there's still more work to do. There's still more rooms to get in and more conversations to have. And there's still more stories that need to be told. That's amazing. Cause I can, I can imagine that some leaders really need to kind of have a mindset shift right now. Um, and just for context, um, how much effort and time did that take out of your uh, days or that time? Ah, uh, you know, it didn't, it took in the beginning, it probably was just, what would be like a uh, hour one-on-one meeting of once a week. But then what I, the thing about this is as a mentor or when you want to help people, you make that time. What's, you know, if she'd be like, well, I didn't want to bother you or other people that I've helped. I was like, well, I saw your calendar was busy. You make time for the things that you want to make time for. And for me, it's important to make that time. If you wear the title of leader, regardless of what you're, you know, I'm not big on, uh, like if you're VP or something like that, because there are leaders that don't even have those titles because one, you're leading your household. And so um, I started out just any free time I had, I would say, hey, I got 15 minutes if you want to like sync or uh, Fridays are days when I don't have as much of a full calendar if, if it aligns let's talk let's and I always help it was an accountability factor to Robert like if you say that you want to do x y and z then I'm going to be your accountability partner and I'm going to talk to you about it I'm going to talk to you about your goals until you're sick of me I'm going to hold you accountable for doing things and I want you to stay motivated and, I, and it, it helps it really helps to write your goals down and I know people say oh well I can't write it, it helps to look at them and it's okay that if you know, I'm not a huge component of putting a time around a, a particular thing because I think that can impact you, especially like, oh, well, I said I was going to be X, Y, Z by the time I turned 25. Well, life doesn't always happen like that. And, you know, the road not taken by Robert Frost, I chose the path less traveled by and it made all the difference. Sometimes our journeys are different and it takes us a little while to get there. We just have to stay the course and be willing to stick it out and being honest as an accountability partner to let the people that I've helped know it's some days are going to be better than, than others. Some days you're going to feel like you want to give up, but if you truly believe that you can do it and I'm here to be your, your, your cheerleader and your support and the champion you want, it'll, it'll happen. Amazing. Um, and you know, you've, you've created multiple programs to help support the growth of team members. Could you talk a little bit about the, your gladiator program or even your DEI is not a buzzword program? I feel like this is like really special. They are. And I want to talk about both actually. So I'm going to try to be really quick. Awesome. I know sometimes I tend to get a little long-winded. So the gladiator program, as you can tell, gladiator um, was, 
I borrowed it from uh, Shonda Rhimes' TV show Scandal to let you that lets you know that it was years ago because it was when Scandal came out and um, at work when I my old job they used to call me Oliver Pope not Olivia Pope but Oliver Pope of how <laughs> I would how I would problem solve things and at one for a year and a half I had a team of twenty five direct reports. It's too long to get into how that happened, but it happened. And there were a lot of transitions going on at work. And it seemed impossible to find out how am I going to be able to devote my time to get business objectives complete and manage 25 direct reports. And so what I did as I started meeting with, and they were all in different locations, different geos, I started keeping a journal on each employee that I managed and talked to. And I started to uncover different strengths that they had. And we got together for like an offsite retreat. And in that moment, I had sort of former English, English major here. So I crafted out like this outline of how to really engage with 25 directs. Um, and so in the middle of my speech, I said, and I don't, I still to this day don't know why it came out, but I said, you all are gladiators. And you are here to change the landscape of the work that you do. I said, I want you to see the value that you add, the way that you're helping leaders solve problems. I said, so think of yourself as a gladiator and what being a gladiator means. So what a gladiator meant in this gladiator program, there were values there. You see yourself, <laughs> how the Jahari window, um, it's a little bit of a, the cycle education dynamics, but getting you to see what you see, what others don't see in you, or what others know that you don't know. It was a self-reflection part of that exercise. It also, you got to check in with your partner. There were accountability partners in that 25 that was in that group. And then also, you had to work on a, a case study. I put together like this case study of different tasks that you would have to complete. And at the end of the three months that I gave, it was a three-month assignment, and if you could complete them all, and if you got to network and build relationships with others outside of the, the function that you were in, that was a pass for you. And I sort of did this graduation when we came together again, and it was like a gladiator graduation program. And that sort of caught on to like this buzz of people were like, I want to be a gladiator. And so... I started to talk throughout the company on how you can become a gladiator. And it was really using the company's values. It was using examples of things that happen in everyday business life. It was also part of your own self-assessment and reflection. So before you were doing a, a uh, Myers-Briggs assessment, you did your own just personal assessment of how you move and how you operate and how you focus and how you inspire and how you wanna be inspired. And after doing that, it ran successfully, I'll say during my reign there, uh, for about a good five years. And people were like, hey, we're gladiators. And it made the team not only invest in themselves, but they invested in me as, as their manager and that they always wanted to deliver exceptional results because they felt that they were seen, they felt that they were heard, and they were given opportunities. And last but not least, part of the DEI journey is to create opportunity and space. There was a um, person on my team who I knew had the superpowers, was very analytical, and had the leadership gene, but didn't was like fighting it for the longest. 
I was going out of town for, I was going to Europe for two weeks. And I told him, I says, hey, uh, I'm gonna let you just, I'm totally leaving you in charge of the team and all that stuff. And I remember him saying like, Patrick, I can't do this. It's like, you got this. And so when I got back, we met and he, I was like, how did it go? He was like, oh my God. He was like, I can't believe you trusted me to do it. Did an amazing job. Everyone was like, that's real leadership where you, as a leader, you want to prepare others so that if you get hit by a bus, win the lottery, that there, that there's someone that will be able to sort of carry a torch. And we had an opportunity to promote someone within to a, to a, not even a manager, but to a director. I immediately said, this is who you want. And they became the director. So what that did from a, just a DNI standpoint was equity. They went from making one salary band to a different. So that's life changing for this individual. And they got a chance to be this director level role, which again, years later, they're now an even higher leadership role. And I look at that as that's a, that's a DNI win. And I know I went way too over on talking about that, but that makes me really happy. So I'm going to just go 20 seconds about DEI is more than a buzzword. I think we hear the word DEI and a lot of people start to jump on different um, posts and everything becomes like a buzzword. Like the unfortunate demise or what we that what we witnessed with George Floyd two years ago, everyone was posting about it. And it's like, oh, we're gonna make a change. But then something else happens and you sort of move on to a different topic or something that says DEI is more than a buzzword. There's all types of facets of DNI. And um, so with this program that I created at the other company I was at before, um, where, before the company I'm at now, uh, I was at Recharge. DNI more than buzzword, it was a program to where DEI was talked about not just around certain holidays or um, certain events, but it became a daily conversation. There were different guest speakers that came in to talk about neurodiversity, talking about um, discrimination in the workplace. There was uh, LGBTQ plus uh, cinema. There were different topics shared. There were presentations at town halls, ex express people expressing themselves. And I said, the thing that we need to do as we continue to move forward throughout work and even in our personal lives is to know that DEI is more than a buzzword. And that's why, of course, if you look on my LinkedIn, I have creator of DEI is more than a buzzword. And it's really about getting people and companies to be intentional about the messaging, about the training, and about the engagement they create with their employees around DEI. That's amazing, Patrick. I mean, you are just a change agent, a very powerful and impactful leader. I feel like we'll probably have a, have to have another conversation <laughs> at some point um, as time goes along. Um, but before we go, in terms of execution for all of our DEI leaders that are listening, what action should a DEI leader take after listening to this um, if they had to take one action? I think if they had to take one action, I would say... Well, ugh, it's too many. Pace yourself. Understand that the work, there's so much work to be done, and that you know it can't happen in overnight. And realize that 
when you you have to be self-motivated because there are going to be many days that you find you ask yourself am i enough am i doing enough and the answer is simple it's yes you're doing enough and you matter and the work that you're doing matters and it's it's long sometimes it's exhausting sometimes it's uncomfortable it's difficult it's frustrating but understand that it's okay to feel that way but just continue to believe in that you know that the work and yourself overall matters and the change that you're going to bring about to that company or to that individual that you're inspiring or that you're helping move from one level to the next it's all worth it the journey is difficult but it's absolutely worth it so if you're a leader and you're in the DEI role or even if you're not as i say there are people that's doing the work that's not even wearing a title just know that one eye personally say thank you and just understand that the work is it's rewarding but just know that it may not be an instant gratification it may be something 3 4 5 years from now that you see and you're like you know what i played a part in helping get this change powerful we cannot end it any better than that patrick sutton we thank you for joining us um i hope you have a really good day Thank you, Robert. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me here. If you're looking for DEI assessments, benchmarking tools, sourcing support, training, and more, look no further. Go to www.matheson.io and book a call to speak with us. The link is in the description. We're looking forward to connecting with you next time.